Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. So today I'm joined by Vanessa Long, who's a mum to two children born and raised on Ayurveda. Vanessa is an Ayurvedic wellness coach, Ayadula, pregnancy and postpartum coach. She does this by combining timeless wisdom of Ayurveda with modern day birthing, mothering and living. She's also, aside from all these busy things, a cat lover and a tea lover and defines herself as a wanderer and traveller and a Muji devotee and lover of community, truth and freedom. Vanessa, welcome. Thank you, Shelley. Nice to be here. Bless you. Now I'm going to start because I think if I pronounce all of those right in your very busy life, I've done well. It's going to be an amazing day ahead. <laughs> you did very well. <laughs> it's like when you're at school and you get that Peter Piper picked a pecker. I was like, blah, 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 blah. So yeah. am I pronouncing Ayurveda correctly? You are, yes. Ayurveda, or some people say Ayurveda, but yes, Ayurveda and Ayurvedic, yes. Okay, and I said you're a Muji devoter, but I've got no idea what that is. Please tell. <laughs> Muji is, um, um, I suppose, a spiritual guru, not in his terms, but in anyone who sits in his presence would, would describe him as such, and he is simply um, pointing us back to the truth of, of who we actually really are beyond all the illusion of, of Maya and personhood and identity. So he follows very much in the line of um, Ramana Maharshi, Papaji. He sat in his presence and woke up to who he was. And he now leads satsang, which just means kind of a meeting in truth with um, thousands of devotees all over the world. I love that. See, I sit in satsang as well, but I thought, is Muji what I think it is? So just for the listeners, we've cleared that up. We've got Ayurveda and Muji. Yes, <laughs> my two main guides. <laughs> so as you can gather, I am not a guru of Ayurveda. So please start by telling us, what is Ayurveda? Put really, really simply, Ayurveda simply means living in harmony with the laws of nature according to your own specific nature your own body mind constitution it's kind of it's much more than that though that's putting it in very simple terms really it's a 5000 year old medical system that's originated in india um, and that is still used very widely there today which means that when people live in harmony with the laws of nature and the cycles of nature, so we get up when we're supposed to get up, we go to bed when we're supposed to go to bed, we eat our biggest meal at the middle of the day, to put it very simply. You know, we live in accordance with the seasons, with the cycles of life, and with our own unique body-mind constitution, because Ayurveda says we're all very different. Then we feel well, then we can live in harmony with ourselves, we prevent illness happening in the first place. When it does happen, we have the tools to alleviate symptoms of stress and disease. Um, and when we don't follow those rules, which we, we don't do now in the modern world, the modern world has simply been so far removed from following these natural, simple, rhythmical ways of living that we see the results around us, you know, the increased stress levels, 
the increased disease, um, and people generally just rushing about and not living very happy lives at all. See, I absolutely love that. My background was, I was a once upon a time nurse, so very medical world. And then after curveball after curveball, I'm now very spiritual, as we're saying, I sit and sat saying all beautiful things like that. So can I ask you, what do you think is the biggest issue in, you know, like the Western world health? Stress. Stress. Without a doubt. It's, it's the accumulation of stress and stress can only really accumulate if we are not present. So we are not living a mindful and present life. Um, and what that means is we are so, our lifestyles are so busy, they've become so busy and so hectic and it, it's partly enforced outwardly, but it's also been taken upon by everybody because now we need at least two salaried people to run a household. It's very yep. difficult for, for mothers to stay home and just look after the children financially. And so we're all stressed out, but, but the main cause of it is that we, we don't tune in. We're not tuned in to our feelings, our thoughts, even just how does that food sit with you after that meal? Do you feel heavy? Do you feel light and refreshed? You know, we're, we're so busy either dwelling in the past or racing forward to the next thing on our to-do list and what we have to do later in the day and what might happen later in the week that we are completely devoid almost of being able to just be with ourselves alone really you know and that's all the root of all kind of man's world suffering is is the inability to just sit quietly with yourself without having to you know look at your phone or put the radio on or put the tv on you know we do all these or look in the fridge to go and get something to eat we do all these things to try and stem this feeling of dis-ease if you like you know this this uneasy feeling that oh don't feel quite right. I'm not quite happy. I'm not quite satisfied. There's nothing kind of whole here. I need something to fill that gap. And so for me, all those things combined kind of really, really have provoked this kind of stress crisis that, that we see. And in Ayurveda, we believe that body and mind are, are completely connected. There is no disconnect. You know, you cannot have stress in the mind and it not have an impact on the body. You can't have an ill body and it not have an impact on your mind. The two kind of go hand in hand. And so we work with the two together to kind of bring a more holistic kind of look, looking at how we can stay healthy and be more happy. I absolutely love that. I say I was nursed for many, many years. And it is, it's just like dealing with the symptoms as they arise, but we don't go back to why that dis-ease come, that imbalance in the body. No. So I absolutely love that. So thank you so much. Now, tell us, how did you get into it? You're Ayurvedic practitioner. So what happened? How have you used it in your own life? Well, I got it. So I used to do yoga with my, my grandmother was way ahead of the time. So I used to do yoga with her 40 years ago when I was a very small girl and I could do it with her if I was really quiet and still because she did yoga back in the 70s. Um, and then I, it was always a life, always something in me was, was pulling inward, always. All my childhood, I just liked very quiet, contemplative kind of activities, such as coloring in and writing. And, and then I started looking at doing some massage, and then I got into Reiki, and then did some Buddhist meditation. And I was, then was looking, really there was one piece missing, there was, there was the nutritional side of it, and I traveled to India. And I'd come back from India and obviously experienced Ayurveda, but it was only when I picked up this book called Ayurveda for Women by Robert Svoboda, and it completely, 
it was like all the pieces of the jigsaw just went ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. And it just made such sense to me. And I thought, I've got to learn this. And so I found a course that was aimed at therapists. And I was a Reiki practitioner, and massage therapist, and started a two-year training course and did a clinical internship. And so that was where I got into it. And for me, it was just the complete picture. It's the complete system because it deals with the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual kind of being. So for me, it was completely holistic and it was just what made sense. It was just very logical and made complete sense to me. In my own life, I kind of, obviously, while I was training, I then started using and living in accordance to the laws of Ayurveda and my own, respecting my own body-mind constitution, so changing my diet and looking at how I lived. And then when I did want to um, have a baby, I conceived with no problems, age 35, within six weeks. I had two amazing pregnancies with absolute, just sailed through both of them. And I had two amazing um, home births with no pain relief other than hypnobirthing and an Ayurvedic massage. Um, and so for me, you know, it was just like, this, this works. This actually really works. And I do credit my pregnancies and the births and everything else down to working with my body and with my mind just to create exactly what I wanted. And it, and it really saw me through that period of my life very, very well. And I notice now that if I veer off track, obviously having young children and babies, it's not so easy to do the things that you, you can do. But when I, when I veer off track, I really notice. And when I come back on track and in line, then I really notice the benefits as well. I, I get that. I need spirituality every day of my life. So I start with like yoga and little me time and a car double and I say, if I don't, cause like school holidays or just busyness, I dip, my emotions dip. So it's, you know, it's great. You have that awareness when you're going off. Now there's going to be people out there, Vanessa, that are a little bit jealous. You had no morning sickness. <laughs> no, <laughs> but by way of contrast, I had a hyperemesive gravidarum, the rare vomiting disorder. Oh, with, no. our, with our first, who was almost an only child as a result. But yes. I did hypnobirth, both our girls, which led me on to become a hypnotherapist. So yeah, I totally get that in tune with your body. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and I very much, cre I very much credit um, Ayurveda with kind of not having any morning sickness, purely because my whole body had been detoxed for a good year before I even tried to conceive. And that really did help i'm not saying that was the only course because i think as well when you have um i felt slightly queasy with my daughter and that's i think that's because of the hormones the double hormones isn't it when you have girls and daughters yeah. then often that will be worse um but yes like i would not have enjoyed what you went through at all <laughs> no i didn't either <laughs> no <laughs> no one would i remember feeling so sick with our second well our first daughter but our second pregnancy i was so sick i just remember having to reverse into showers so the water didn't go on my bump i was so sensitive to the double whammy of hormones i was just like reversing quite a lot in life <laughs> yes oh no <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think are the main issues facing pregnant women like in western society I just think we don't, we, we are not allowed to kind of honor that sacred time. Um, we are just, we just imagine that we're just going to kind of carry on sailing along as normal. And people don't, people do a lot of reading about baby's health and when baby gets here and people get completely hung up on the birth. And actually they, but they don't really prepare their minds and that's the thing, you know, your body can deal with anything. It's your mind that you have to convince. 
You know, your body, when you go into birth, your body knows exactly what it's doing. It's going to go into labor when it goes into labor. If you allow it to, if you're not pressured into being induced by some, you know, on some medical systems kind of timeline, um, if you allow the natural process of your body and your birth, then you will sail through things a lot quicker. But so many pregnant women are so fearful and so anxious. And it comes back to this stress. They're constantly worried about something that is going to happen that's unknown in six months or three months or nine months or whatever it is that they often can't relax into being. And really, there's such a symbiotic relationship between baby and mom in that the energy is completely you know, um, passed forwards, backwards and forwards. So any upset and any stress in mum gets passed on to baby through high cortisol levels. So for mums, they really need to kind of learn to relax and meditate and they need to do lots of things that really prepare their mind. But they actually, the biggest thing, and Ayurveda backs this up, is people actually completely neglect the postpartum bit. So the postpartum bit, we just think we have a baby and that's it. The hard work is done. But actually in Ayurveda, women are nurtured and confined for like six weeks, 42 days of having bed rest, being massaged, being bathed, being fed the right foods, being relieved of all other domestic and childcare duties so that mum can just recover from nine months of pregnancy and birth and bond with the new baby. And that's why... In the West, when these practices have no no longer happen, um, we see a rise of postnatal depression. So we can see that this is a really sacred and important time for women's health as well, because if women aren't nurtured postnatally, then that impact on the doshas and the, the body-mind constitution can have an impact for 42 years. So if they become really imbalanced, then you can see that impact play out um, with them for a long time afterwards. So it's a really important time to actually slow down and recognize that it's not just, you know, a day at the office as normal. So it's a six week period because I had a C-section with one of ours and that was six week recovery. Are you yeah. saying it's six weeks, even if it's a natural birth, that's the yeah. ideal time? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's six weeks window. And really women should not be, you know, we should not be back in Asda after two days and back on the school run. You know, traditionally in India, the community gathers round, brings food for the family, you know, takes care of the other children, cleans the house, someone comes in, you know, mums get massaged and fed, you know, very special and nutritious foods because Ayurveda understands that when you have a baby, your digestive capacity gets completely extinguished. So you need very bland kind of foods for the first week postnatally. Then you need heavier foods, but it's all bit by bit introducing the right things to not produce any upset in your digestive system, which then gets passed on to baby and manifests as colic or wind. Oh, wow. I had colicky babies. Yes. Yeah. And, and part of it is because we are so agitated. We have not had this luxurious warm oil massage that's pacified the wind element in us. So the wind element goes high and babies get wind. Oh. It's very straightforward, but very clear and logical as well at the same time. So that's really interesting because my first pregnancy was horrific. Labor, not, not brilliant, if we were honest, Vanessa. Then I hypnobirthed the next one, but my third one was emergency C-section. Of course, you have to rest then, don't you, for six weeks afterwards? Yes. I know you're saying you should anyway, but 
as we say in western society we're allowed to rest for six weeks when we have major surgery yes exactly, and he wasn't yeah. a colicky baby and again it's really interesting because during that six weeks i was you know people came to me meals were made they would help with the childcare, and he wasn't colicky which is very interesting there you it? go it's, it's funny isn't it and and you know just the fact that you were probably as well a third time mum you were more relaxed you you know you just took it maybe more in your stride than you do with your first babies when you're kind of anxious at everything why are they crying what what's the matter with them why why aren't they settling why are they not why are they not sleeping 22 hours a day you know all these things that first time mums have all this anxiety that isn't kind of because we're not held by you know our elders like our mothers and our sisters and our aunts are not are not gathering around us with the experience to go, oh, it's okay, they've just, you know, probably just, just check the nappy, you know, just do this. We're not, we're, we're so isolated that that in, in turn increases the space and increases the wind to go high. But yeah, your, your experience kind of clearly shows there was probably a couple of factors in there, but the fact that you, yeah, you just had to kind of just rest and the yeah. impact and the effect was, was clear. I was quite nursey in those days as well. Like in nursing, you have to do the ABC. So it's the airway, breathing, circulation. And I just used to look at the babies and start at the top. Are they breathing? You know, do the ABC down the body. So poor yeah. children. Yeah, they were raised very medically by myself, I must admit. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, about birth implants earlier. Now I've had four children and I can honestly say that I never did get my birth implant that I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I asked for a water birth, every single one, never got it. So how can we make these choices about birth? How can we make these positive changes about birth plans? I think, I think not, you know, I think we have to approach birthing with, with an openness and a flexibility. You know, the first, you know, I had, I was so clear, you know, I, I'd re, I researched and my Ayurveda just tuned me so much into my body that I just knew that my body was going to go into labor when it wanted to. And I, I jokingly, you know, I said to the midwives, don't come near me with any stretch and sweeps. Don't come near me with any inductions. You're not touching me. Just leave me alone. And that pretty much was my birth plan. And the fact that I think I delivered at home made, put me in the driving seat. I had a home birth, so I was therefore in control of my environment. The midwives were guests in my home, and I felt more comfortable there. But I, I almost, you know, when I look at the single-minded focus that I had, you know, I did, I did the hypnobirthing, and I only did it with a CD because I just meditated a lot. So for me, it was quite easy to get into that stage. But and without the warm oil massage that my partner kind of constantly was rubbing my back. Um, I wouldn't have coped with the pain with just a, C, a hypnobirthing CD, but women have to prepare mentally, but women also have to just be, you know, they have to really work with the fears and anxiety that come, that come up and in each moment have somebody there, which is why it's really useful to have doulas and things to have somebody there to reinforce the birth plan and go, but you, you didn't want this. Why don't we just take another five minutes and reassess where we are, you know, kind of bring women back more into the moment because I think, women can easily lose their power um, in the face of medical professionals, you know, to, to just go, actually, no, you know, my body knows what it's doing. I'm just, you know, and leave it be. And my midwives were fantastic. They just read my birth plan, went, okay, we get kind of what birth this, this lady wants. And they just let me get on with it. But I think you have to be informed. And I think women are not informed necessarily in the right way. They go for all the facts and the figures, but they're lacking a trust and a belief that they can do this. You know, women have birthed unmedicated around the world since for millennia. 
And it's only in the last 80 years or so that we've lost this connection to what our bodies are capable of. And my fear is, is if we carry on medicalizing labor and births the way we are, that women are going to actually forget how to give birth and that C-sections are going to become the norm, like 50%, you know, Brazil, the States, and, and you know, nearing 50% C-sections. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a crying shame that women really have to come back and, you know, stop listening. Oh, I have to be induced. I have to do this, don't I? I'm like, no, you don't. But no one is, no one's informing them. No one's telling them that these are the other choices that they have. And that, but they have to be really, I was so single-minded about it. I just visualized so clearly. I knew what room I was giving birth in. I knew, you know, I just, I just saw it happening in my mind's eye and was just very hell bent on it, on making it so. And people say, you know, would you have been disappointed if it had gone another way? Maybe, maybe not. But it was mindset. It was really meditation, visualizing, hypnobirthing. The mental work is, is what women need to do, really. Yeah. So I, I'm not allowed. I'm, well, my days are done now. My birthing days are done. But um, I wasn't allowed to be at home. I have high-risk pregnancies. But, you know, we can still be quite spiritual. So I hypnobirth in the hospital. But as you yeah. say, we make these informed choices. But when you're in the medical environment, it is hard. So we had in our birthing plan, one, I wanted water birth. Um, but we had like, don't use pain, push, you know, it surges, sensations. Yes. And this one goes, is your wife in pain? Wasn't even talking to me. She was talking to my husband about me. And it is. But so I know some of us, we can't all have the beautiful home births, but you can still apply it, can't you, in the hospital setting for those of us that need to be monitored. Yes. Yeah. But, but do slap the midwife if she doesn't let you, you know, if she says horrible words like pain. <laughs> yes. And, and it's, it's been able to deal with the medical profession, isn't it? Which is why sometimes it's really helpful to have a doula there as well, or your mum or somebody or a good friend who can actually advocate for you and care. Can you just give them five minutes to just discuss this option? You know, can you just, yeah. can you just go back to the birthing plan? Because I've seen midwives who have actually not even read the birthing plan when they've stepped in a birthing room. And the, and the damage that that can do in the way that they address the women and the and the the environment that they've created in there can be really damaging. Um, and so I think you know women have to they they need someone on the side with them. And often husbands and partners are not. Sometimes they're the best person, and sometimes they're not the best person to kind of speak out. So it's it's always good to have you know, birthing partners that you know are going to fight your corner and know are going to, you know, help you communicate when you really don't want to communicate at all. Yeah, because you're feeling very vulnerable. It's one of the biggest occasions in your life. Yeah. So yeah, you do need someone there. I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So do you have a tool or technique that you could recommend that we can use, whether it's in birthing or just in everyday life? Is there a tool you use? Oh, there's so many tools I use. There's, um, sometimes it's just, it's just, I think when we feel flustered and we're just going off into our mind, I think if you just bring your heart back onto your, your hand back onto your heart or both hands back onto your heart and you just sit and just take five, just really deep breaths or 10 deep breaths. You just sit for two minutes and you just bring your awareness out of the mind and just back into the heart. Just take your awareness down to your heart where your hands are. 
and just breathe really slowly and just come back to this kind of affirmation of I'm just here, I am just here. Because really in, in any situation you are only just here, but the mind will take you into some fearful situation and some imagined future and some past memory that wasn't pleasant. And really sometimes, you know, and sometimes you can use this and you can also do the yogic breath of, you know, even with your hands on your heart, you can just breathe in and then you can hum the breath out like a bee, which stills the mind even further. So you can take a breath in and then you can go. Mm. And you repeat that for just two minutes. Any time that you feel the mind gets flustered, and you just bring it back down to the heart, down to the breath, and the awareness then starts moving back inwards rather than in this chaotic outward mental state. So for anyone, you just have to just check in and go, I'm just here. And even just look around the room and just confirm that you're just here. You're not in the future, you're not in the past, you're just here. And for me, that kind of grounding, whenever I need to, at any point in the day, um, really, really can help. But in Ayurveda, we, we talk a lot as well about morning routines and evening routines. And like you mentioned before, if, my, if I do not have the space in the morning to have my morning routine, so I will come down and I will sit with Muji or a meditation and I will just take an hour or do some yoga to myself, then if I don't do that, then my day is set up with a bit of a chaotic mind. So a morning routine, which is very difficult if you have new babies, you know, you can't do that when you have new babies or toddlers even, but when your children get a bit older, just taking five minutes, two minutes, three minutes, just to bring yourself back into a state of presence rather than into a state of thinking. I love that. The breath work you were saying, you're just, do you say just here now or how are your words? Just, I'm just here. I'm just here. I'm just here. And really just feel, you know, look around, touch your desk or look at the walls and just think I'm, but I'm just here. So in mindfulness, it's all about returning back to the present moment yes. and in mindfulness they say you don't have to like what's happening in the present moment but just be aware of where you are is that yeah. the same principle absolutely because we can't control you know we can't control whether our heart's beating on racing whether we feel hot and sweaty or there's anger arising you know we can only control just noticing that these things are there but we don't if we come back to a place of stillness and presence we don't have to necessarily go with the anger to snap at somebody we don't have to be pulled out we can just feel the anger the sensations of anger however they manifest in your body they may be you know hot clenched jaw clenched fists whatever they are and just really come back and go, i'm just here and just really feel those feelings and just allow them to be there you don't need to run the story of why they're there because that just perpetuates it. 
if you sit there and go, well, I'm really annoyed because this morning, blah, 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 then you just end up feeling more angry. You so do. So if you can cut the story, cut the ties to the story of why the anger is there, just notice the sensations, just come back to the heart, just breathe into all the sensations of anger and just, you're just here. That's fabulous. Thank you so much for that. So just finally, you're very positive, my kind of woman. Um, do you have a positive affirmation or a saying that you use every day in life? Oh, I have lots of different ones, actually. I often draw um, a card for the morning and then I'll take that. But I quite like the one that I've, de I've decided for this year is um, I can and I will. You just watch me. <laughs> But when the mind takes me away, then I'm just here, just brings me back to my heart. I love that. I can and I will. And <laughs> Vanessa, I don't doubt that for one minute. <laughs> You've been absolutely fabulous. Near the Ayurveda Mama, we'll put the social media links on the show notes for the listeners but you've been wonderful. Thank you. Absolutely inspiration and I love your spirituality. Absolutely love it. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was the wonderful Vanessa Long. Thank you. If you found this podcast interesting, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or, or wherever you have listened to this episode. Don't forget to make sure that you've subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. Until next week, keep creating those small positive changes. I've been Shelley F. Knight and you've been amazing. Thank you for listening. <laughs>